Welcome to the 21st Century Physio Podcast, helping you bring your practice into the 21st century with the latest technology news, research reviews, and easy-to-implement practice tips. Now, here's your host, Stephen King. All right, well, welcome, Ives. Welcome to the 21st Century Physio Podcast. I'm really, really excited to have you on the podcast today. We go back a couple of years now. I think we first touched base uh, when you came to one of our MAC courses, probably, you know, best part of two years ago up in Sydney there. Uh, there's usually, you know, one or two people you remember from every course, and, and you've definitely been someone I've been following since, because uh, I can just tell from that course that your passion, you know, for the industry is just huge. So I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today and uh, hear about your thoughts on the future of physiotherapy in the 21st century. Oh, thanks so much, Steve. Uh, yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to be on here, and I yeah, can't wait to hear uh, what you get out of me. It'll be great. Oh, mate, it's going to be some, some gold, I'm sure. So, mate, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, why did you get into physiotherapy? You know, what have you done since you graduated from university? So I know you've got a bit of a varied background. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, firstly, uh, I got into physio probably like a lot of uh, other physios. When I was about 13, 14, I, had a, I, was a, I was a cricketer who was playing in a few rep teams and working through the ranks and I was, uh, yeah, just got injured, as a lot of people did, and spent a lot of time on a physio plinth. Um, and spending time on a physio plinth, I was thinking to myself, I remember looking at room saying, man, if I can't play cricket for Australia, it'd be pretty cool to be their physio. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then I think later on down the line, when I started thinking about it a bit more seriously, um, my grandfather actually got sick and was in a, was in a hospice. And I, I just remember how much care a lot of the physios were giving them uh, during his end of life care, and I thought to myself, well, here's a career where I can actually compete like I do in, in elite sports, and also give back uh, as well. So it was pretty much then I knew that's what I wanted to do, and I was very lucky that I pretty much knew what I wanted to do from a very young age, and you know, quite fortunate things worked out. No, oh, I think that definitely worked out. You know, you're doing yeah. some great, some great things now. Yeah. So you know. It wasn't that easy for you getting into physio. From you know, I remember the conversation we had back at the course. It took you a little while to get into the profession. Tell us a little yeah. bit about your journey through that, because there's a lot of, you know, young, um, you know, people out there looking to get into physio, and it's often you know quite difficult these days to get in. Yeah, Stephen, it wasn't. It was quite difficult for me to get in. Actually, um, I missed out three times on getting entry to the physiotherapy course on three separate occasions. So it took a lot of. Uh, fighting a lot of you know focus but we got there um i guess initially i missed out uh by by one point uh, after the hsc which was a bit heartbreaking at the time um i then did an undergraduate degree in sports science um and due to a technicality in academic marking missed out again um and then i was told i needed to do further study so i did a master's in sports science got exceptionally good grades and then got told that um uh, my grades wouldn't count because they changed the admission criteria. So I missed out again uh, and then had to actually take on the university a little bit and actually fight for my right, hopefully for a place. And uh, after a long winded bit of a battle with the uni, I actually finally got my application uh, looked at separately and got in. So third time's a charm. But I can tell you, um, Steve, I would not change anything for the world. I'm so grateful for the journey. It made me so resilient and made me realize how badly I wanted to become a physio. I think yeah, the more you, you know, you have to persevere and you have to persist with something to get where you want to go, I think, yeah, the more, uh, you know, meaningful it is to you, I think, and I think it definitely shows that that was the, the right pathway for you. What did you learn yeah. along that journey, you know, getting oh. in apart from, you know, that resilience and persistence? 
Yeah, well, first of all, just some really good skills, to be honest. Like, um, I remember that Masters of Sports Science year, um, it was the first time I'd done a, a prac, and it was a it was a subject which was worth 16 credit points off the top of my head. So it was just a where you had to spend two, three days a week in an aged care facility. And just the communication skills, working with the clientele, which um, I'd never worked with before, and you could achieve great results with. I remember that's something really, really good that I learned. Um, dip my feet in research in that year as well i um, mean the other thing which i think is most important is i met so many wonderful people so many friends across the world and that's why at the end of the day um, i'm just so grateful for that journey as well because those friendships you build really help uh, on so many accounts so yeah that's fantastic i think yeah some of my best you know friends and you know colleagues now are people that i met through the university studies and it's good that you know they're probably the solid rock that's around you for that time through that you know five to Know, seven years depending on how long you sort of spend at university so i think that's really important now speaking about around the world i know you've done a bit of travel with you know physiotherapy and you've done some interesting things tell us a little bit more about your journey um you know around travel and physiotherapy yeah well um i guess i spent my um, my first two years after i graduated uh in private practice and just felt i needed a bit of a, a change so i'm very lucky um that i'm a <laughs> I'm a, I'm a dual citizen, so I probably can't uh, run for parliament anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I decided to take on an offer by an Australian physio. I was working in India, and I, and I worked, uh, I worked in Mumbai in India for a secondment for, for a short period of time. Um, I think it was uh, four or five months, uh, and it was an amazing uh, experience. Um, I'd actually initially been approached. Uh, the, the carrot was to work. Uh, in the in the IPL, the Indian Premier League cricket. Um, unfortunately, that didn't come through because India called a snap election and they decided that they couldn't deal with security, so they moved the tournament to the Middle East. So that's India for you in a nutshell. As a cricket tragic, that would have been devastating. Oh, a little bit. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. But, oh, man, just so many wonderful life experiences, seeing how physio is so different over there um, yet you know, similar in, in certain ways and, um, again, great life experience. So definitely took a lot of skills with me back home. Um, biggest thing I learned is about just about communication and culture, which I just is one thing I think if there's a lot of young physios out here listening, is something that I know is not taught as well at uni, but just understanding people's culture can really help you achieve good results. And me being of an Indian background but being Australian and just showing that empathy really, I think, Help me learn how you know sometimes to achieve great results with our patients we need to be able to communicate effectively and get by and you know help them along the way which might be a little bit different to how we communicate here in australia so that was a big lesson i learned and um yeah again great for the experience i'd love to move back there one day and do some stuff maybe on the back of one of your mat courses fantastic man that sounds like a good plan we have got <laughs> have got plans here for 2019 so we uh, we might have to take you over there and uh <laughs> i'd love it see if we can get you in with some of the teams that are using the mat in the ipl too so that, that could be pretty cool might oh. be able to might be able to get you back there uh yet so oh. We'll talk after, Steve. I'd, I'd love it. <laughs> that sounds good, mate. So, yeah. look, I guess the thing that I'm interested in is you got to that two-year you know, mark out and you decided, look, physio, private practice just you know, wasn't stimulating enough. You weren't mm. finding it interesting. You needed a change. You know, what, why did you decide that, you know, around that yeah. time? Because that's something that I get, as I've said on this podcast several times, you know, I get two or three emails a month you know, from people who are usually that two to five years out. Uh, who are looking to go and do something else. Most of them uh, get looking to go back and do a master's in strength and conditioning or a master's in osteopathy or physiotherapy. They're looking for something else because they've just become a bit you know, disillusioned with practice. And that's one of the reasons we've created this podcast, to highlight people's journeys like yours, to help people see, look, there is another way around it. Yeah, I think 
I think that was another reason I was really passionate to share this story because it is something so common out there. And I think if the more people here, us a bit older physios have gone through this journey, the more people can understand it's completely normal. And um, there's definitely things you can do about it. For me, um, I had studied so hard to get into physio. I'd worked my ass off. Uh, and after a couple of years, I just got, like you said, a bit bored. I think when I think um, I was listening to I think Mick in one of your previous podcasts, says if you work at a bank or if you work at some other industries, there's clear pathways that can help you go through the ranks. And with physio, it's it's difficult to see, you know, a, a pathway as to where as to where to go. Um, and that was certainly the case for me. I was very lucky. I worked in a in a private practice um, that taught me a lot, and I'm very grateful for the start. I got given there but yeah I just felt a bit stagnant and, and that I needed a change and it's really common I wanted to share a story with you about how one day I was just so disillusioned <laughs> with physio that I was I was riding my motorbike on the way to work and I put up to a set of traffic lights and I saw some council workers on the road and I thought to myself man I'd rather be doing what you're doing today than what I'm doing today and that's when I knew <laughs> I needed to make a change uh, so I think um, that's what challenged me to go out of my comfort zone and to do something different and I think I really challenge other people to, to do that, getting in contact with people like yourself, like myself, talk it through. It's so common and, you know, there are, there are definitely young physios out there who are challenging themselves to different things and it's going to help you in the long run, for sure. Definitely. So talking about that, something different, I think the time yeah. that we met up a couple of years ago, you just started your own practice. Yeah. Um, so, you know, two or three years out of university, decided to jump in the deep end and start your own thing. Tell us a little bit about, you know, why you decided to, at you know, that time, go and start your own practice and how you went about doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, now that you've heard my story, I guess when I came back from India, yeah, just a couple of years ago, uh, I, um, I got approached to sort of work for someone with the thought of buying their business and transitioning through. Um, and it made a lot of sense to me, I thought, at the time. Um, so, I decided to go and work for this person and I did for almost a year and it was it was okay but then you know under mutual understanding it was decided that you know it probably wasn't going to work out to buy uh the business but it, uh, at the time it sort of freaked me out because I was like oh no, no oh, goodness what do I do now so I quickly took another job <laughs> in the city away from uh where I live but I I wanted I had the clientele that I'd been had, had for so long so one of my physio mentors told me why don't you just start something in your home um that one day a week and maintain your client base. So that's what I did. I, I, I'm very lucky that um, uh, at the back of my parents' place, we have a huge uh, space, bit of a granny flat area, and I converted that to a bit of a home clinic and just took it from there. And one night a week's turned into four, <laughs> four days now. Uh, uh, and I've been able to practice. I think the most passionate thing is I've been able to practice physio in a way that I really like and that I um that really works well with me. So, yeah, very grateful for that journey and that's how it all started. And I think that's a similar journey to, you know, most people out there, I think they get to the point where they feel a little bit, you know, suffocated by the environment they're in. They find they can't, you know, they can't do it their way or how they want to do it. So they have to go out there and then create the environment that they want to do. So I think that's really cool. And now you're bringing a team into that environment too. You've got, you know, some interesting things you're doing with some internships, um, which is, you know, something I'm pretty intrigued about as well. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, and I think I just want to reflect on what you said, Steve. I think we're all individuals and I think um, good, you know, good leaders really try and encourage their their staff to bring out their own flavour to it. If we just pigeonhole people and just say this is the only way to do things, I think it's it's not right and it's very challenging. And that's what, you know, this is one of the reasons I thought, you know, I really wanted to promote physio in a way that I like. So, uh, yeah, so what I, I've always at heart been a, been a teacher and an educator. I love 
doing it. I've taken students on um, you know, placements when I was in, in my sports physio fields. And like I said, I, I, I must give credit to my big physio mentor, a guy called Nick Stepkovich, who sort of showed me his ways of how he uses students utilizes sorry uh, students in his clinic and it was fantastic here i saw a way in which i could teach um as well as trying to give people real good value in their sessions as well because i think when you have a little bit of extra help you can actually give people more and uh that's how it all started really um the internship model is very unique we don't take uh, uh anyone from australia yeah we take people from overseas um student physios and the reasons that is is because we can get them from anywhere from 10 to 22 weeks um they become really embedded and part of the practice and they really assist uh, assist uh, with all the tasks and you know add great value to what we do and as a result um inspired by people like uh like mick and i move we we do things like case conferencing we do things like social events and it's a way i've been able to build uh, a lovely team culture and you know uh, towards the end of this year i'm certainly looking forward to, to getting my first hire and to to building upon that momentum yeah. So whereabouts do you get these uh, interns from around the world? Yeah. So I have a big, uh, a big school that I take from the European School of Physio in, in, uh, in Amsterdam. Um, I've been taking them for a long time. We also take them from uh, Holland. Is just, just happens to be a, a place, a beautiful place, by the way, that I was lucky to visit last year. Yeah, I'm um, looking forward to being from. there in about four weeks' time. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's awesome. You'll love it. Um, and now just recently starting to spread our wings um, from the United States as well. Um, and all over all over Europe, really. But basically, through my mentor, I've made contacts with schools, and it's just built and grown. And I'm very lucky now that you know I pretty much have a, a waiting list of students wanting to internship with me at different times of the year. So yeah, that's where it started uh, from from there from those humble beginnings. Great. And so, look, you've obviously worked with people from you know the states and yeah. uh, physio students from you know the Netherlands. Yeah. What do you find the differences between those students coming through and some of the students you see? Because you're working at one of the universities in Sydney as well. Yeah, I mean, I've just been lucky. I've just recently been appointed uh, an associate lecturer at the University of Technology Sydney, so I'm actually um, in the university system as well. Um, but yeah, there is definitely a lot of differences around. Um, I think first and foremost, um, a lot of the international programs, you know, have internships rather than five week placements. So. What it means is that I usually don't take I usually take students towards the end of their study, so they've had a few internships under their belt, and I find as a result their communication, their talking skills are really really fantastic, and it's no um, it's no fault of the Australian students, but a lot of people actually you know have gone through the system, don't have much experience, and so it takes a bit of time and practice to develop those skills. So that's I think one big thing that I've noticed between taking students from from all around uh, the globe, and um. I think that's that's the big thing, actually. Secondly, just you know, they different programs focus on different things, so it's always nice. I think another, you know, if there's any prospective business owners out there thinking about taking interns, I think one of the most humbling things is when another intern's done an internship with some guru overseas, and you can just take that information and implement it in your practice. And I think that's really cool as well. I always challenge my students to teach me something new before they leave, and the amount of knowledge and wealth I've learned from that has been amazing. That's awesome, mate. So you're saying yeah. the graduates over in the Netherlands do placements, you know, 10 to 22 weeks in length, not just your typical five weeks that you get through the yep. Australian university system. Yeah, and I think um, I think that's amazing because that's where you just you get a lot of it. I don't know how practical it would be to do something like that here, but, yeah, absolutely. The schools I take from anywhere from 10 to 22, yeah. Yeah. So, look, having a background in osteopathy, you know, we did yeah. – 
probably I probably would have seen 300 patients at least before I graduated compared to going through physiotherapy with my colleagues as we've spoken about on the podcast before I think I might have seen 10 patients if I was lucky in a musculoskeletal setting through there so there's a big difference you know in the training between osteopathy and physiotherapy in Australia and the amount of experience and it sounds like Australia has been left behind a little bit in regards to the access to patients as well. Oh, Steve, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and again, it's why I'll, I'll, if any, you know, if any student ever wants to get in touch with me and see opportunities, I, I would, mm. I'll never say no. I'll always try and find a way because I think that's a big shortcoming of, of the program. It's you, you just nailed a nutshell: ten versus three hundred. With three hundred people, you're going to get that experience. You're going to make your mistakes. I, I think you know Will Smith, one of my favorite people, all says, "Fail, fail." fail often um, when you know when you're working through because you learn from your mistakes and you know what better environment than to, to learn by practicing so yeah it's something I'd certainly hope um, in my humble work with the universities that we might be able to encourage more people to take on students and then help people get more experience because we have to take responsibility as a profession as well for the shortcomings of students coming out of university as well I think yeah and what are some of those areas you find those shortcomings in yeah students just, going through the university Absolutely. Um, you know, and like I said, I'm not here to bash the universities because I, I, I can be employed by one. If anyone you, you, want a, UTS, you want a job on Monday, yep. I want, I want to be able to work on Monday. Um, but first and foremost, um, absolutely, that, you know, and I, I'm very lucky. I, I work one day a week with a couple of osteos as well, um, uh, who actually, I think you might have done some work with Chris Jones and Peter Green, um, yep. and they both worked in the, in the system and have told me a lot of the systems they have there. But Pack experience is, is first and foremost one of the shortcomings that I think we, we as a profession can help with. To have one five-week musculoskeletal placement when the vast majority of people are actually ending up in private practice due to the nature uh, of allocation, hospital physio work, I just think is not practical enough. Mm. And I think we need to do that. I think there's different programs doing different things, by the way. I know Macquarie Uni have a sports physio placement, an oak physio placement. I think that's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I think that's a big shortcoming. We need to, you know, in my opinion, we, we need to get more hands-on experience while we're at uni. Um, I think that's just going to help a lot. Uh, and yeah, that's the other thing, just being more more practical, more hands-on. I think it's it's tricky, but I'm sure there's going to be ways we'll be able to do it going forward. Yeah, I guess when you're talking about hands-on, you're talking about just you know, hands-on in managing patients, not just the hands-on yeah. skills, you know, required Absolutely. for physiotherapy. Absolutely, Stephen. You know, communication is key. Um, we have some vision statements for our clinic, and that's one of my core pillars. You know, uh, I've been very lucky. I've been doing some business coaching with a group called Clinic Mastery, and it taught me a lot about the patient journey. And to achieve good results for your patients, you need to actually build rapport and communicate. Um, and some of the most rewarding things we've seen in here is being able to build good rapport and then achieve great outcomes with our patients through that rapport. So hopefully if we can teach people some of those skills back in the university level, I think that would really help. Um, so, but I think we're on the right track. Fantastic. We're getting there. No, that's great, mate. So in Clinic Mastery, uh, just to give you insights a couple of weeks ahead, we'll have Jack O'Brien joining us from Clinic Mastery <laughs> on, the, on the podcast too. Uh, yep. So that's something to look forward to. I'm sure he'll drop some um, some oh, massive knowledge bombs. Uh, he certainly well. will. <laughs> now, I guess going back to like communication, we talked about the hands-on yep. skills you mentioned are really important. Yep. It takes me back to one of the experiences we had recently with one of our new graduates who yeah. didn't know where the infraspinatus muscle was. You know, just c- could not identify it. You know, it was. Yeah, lucky to know if it was a shoulder muscle. I hope they're not listening to the podcast. Um, but there's <laughs> definitely some, uh, yeah, some gaps in the university knowledge. Taking, you know, 
some really you know smart, really great people, but just leaving them short of those practical skills that they actually need to go and then apply to your patients. So I think that's um, pretty important. So you mentioned there's some you know big mistakes uh, that you've sort of made over your career. What are some of the big ones that you've sort of noticed Uh, and that you've sort of learnt from? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Look, we'll talk about some takeaways later. But I've been so lucky. You know, I've spent ten years now working in the sports physio field. Three years as an uh, in my undergrad, uh, you know, from when I was at uni all the way through now. So it, yep. I've spent a lot of time in sports field and I, I feel through those experience, I've just seen so many cases and definitely when I look back and reflect, you know, management of certain conditions, I probably, uh, haven't done to the best. I remember a story which I'll never forget, and you learn from mistakes. I remember a story <laughs> where, when I think I was my first year out and I was doing weekend sports physio work and someone came up to me and said he had a bit of forearm pain and I had as as you know Stephen (laughs) just five different people wanting me and this guy's saying I'm a bit sore and I did a quick assessment and I'm like okay I don't think there's anything too wrong if symptoms persist please go on and he ended up having a break (laughs) in his scaphoid he didn't even tell me he had pain there but I didn't have a thorough assessment of it and I, if I had listened, I would have heard that he had a mechanism of falling on the stretch end and I wouldn't have, <laughs> have missed it. So uh, 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 it, was a, it was a good experience and you better believe now anytime I see a wrist patient, I'm making sure I don't miss any of the special things. So yeah. I think that's a, just a really good example. Of course, you know, I spoke to him after and everything was, was fine, but it was just something that stuck with me. And being able to um, humbly admit your mistakes and learn from them is how we all grow. Um, we're going to fail often. It's, you know, it's completely normal. But if we don't learn from them and grow, that's what's important, I think. Definitely. So obviously you're sharing those things that you've learned with the yeah. interns that you're getting over. What Absolutely. are some of the other areas that you're working on? You mentioned you've got some, you know, some systems in place in regards to education and training. What are some of the yeah. things that you really focus on with them through their, you know, three-month-plus internship? Yeah, we, we're, we're building and growing. Um, with one of the internships, we uh, what, as part of their... Uh, so those, those students as part of the degree have to do a, a thesis and I'm lucky one of my one of my um, one of my ex-students uh, actually did a thesis based on my sports physio placement it's created an online learning resource to so for anyone that has sports physio placement you can do this online learning resource before they come and they have all these skills to be able to, to do things so I'm trying to create systems for my interns to really help them uh, learn and grow in that time period so um, every week we have like you said the tutorials which we're recording and documenting and we're trying to create different resources to, to help with that um, as a result. Um, and I'm working with the universities as well to come up with uh, different ways to, to help better their experience as well. Um, you know, I think there was Jim Collins has a, a little phrase saying you should always aim for a big, hairy, audacious goal for, you know, five to 10 years. And one of mine is to, you know, create, uh, you know, the best musculoskeletal internship uh, in the world. And I certainly work very hard every day to hopefully work towards that and and achieve that. Fantastic. And what are some of those skills you think, you know, grads are going to need over the next five to 10 years with physiotherapy? I think there's going to be a lot of change in physiotherapy in that time frame. What are some of those skills that you think are critical for someone becoming a good physio in the 21st century? Yeah, well... I've said it a few times in the podcast already, but just having really good communication skills, I think is really important. If you don't have an ability to communicate and talk to your client, um, I think um, you're, you're not going to uh, be able uh, to actually help you achieve great results for your client. So I think communication is key. I think um, just the ability to um, 
I think we say as well, but even just embrace technology and embrace change as well. Um, one one thing you might not even know about the movement assessment tool, Stephen, was that I I found out about your course the day before I did it. So I had never even heard about you guys and what you did till the day before having coffee with a mate. I'm like, what are, what is this? And then I enroll the next day. Um, I, I remember, what, I remember yeah. getting that email on that call. Just uh, can, I, yeah. can I can I please come? Can I please come? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's sold out. Sorry, mate. Yeah. Oh, please, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll come. Yeah. So I think that was you know one of the things I noticed. You know, your passion for you know just being you know really quick to adapt to new things. And I think that's really important. And with that, one thing I'm drilling in my just let you know in universities, you know, we know about special tests and sensitivity and specificity. So the more objective we can be, uh, it'll really help us deliver great outcomes and for our clients. And that's why, yeah, as a you know, I definitely use the MAT every day. Um, and I think if more people can be more objective in their findings, that will really help them achieve great results, which is what we're about at the end of the day. Definitely. No, it fits my biases pretty pretty nicely there. So <laughs> We talked about some of the skills you're going to need in the 21st century. What are some of the bits of software and technology that you think you can use, you know, to help yeah. people bring their practice into the 21st century? Because that's something that, you know, I'm big on, you know, being an yeah. early adopter on some of this technology, as you said, to get better outcomes for our patients. What do you, what do you use? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I have a little um, TV with uh, Apple TV, of course, like a lot of people in here, and I just yeah. think it's great for objective uh, measures. Uh, Huddle is just an app that I could do, couldn't do without. I know a lot of people use it. And just to explain for those who don't have Huddle, it's just a lovely app where you can record movements, you can create, draw drawn angles, you can take some, you can show people some good pictures of how they're doing things, and you can then relay it into a big screen and actually talk them through it. So Huddle's an app I just couldn't do. And a good way to you know, gather more yeah. objective data as well, as we talk about, you know, in the Mac courses, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and another another thing, just for you know, perspective physio students and new grads out there particularly um uh the i'm sure you've heard of a group called the physio tutors uh they they're a wonderful they're two wonderful individuals who um who actually uh went to they went to one of the school the big school that i take from in amsterdam called the european school of physio so they have a lot of common contacts with a lot of the students i've had but they have a wonderful resource uh around you know looking at assessment uh, and diagnosis and it's you know with the, in the day of youtube where you can youtube anything i think it's a good referral to look at um just to to see uh, to see a bit of a standard around how to do certain things so that's something i certainly couldn't do without and i refer a lot of my students to uh, as as well yeah no i definitely think it's a great resource um yeah something that i've definitely looked at uh in great depth and find some yeah really useful you know simple quick videos yeah. that you, you know, don't aren't too time consuming and the things that you can apply you know the best for me, the best videos that you can watch are the things that you yeah. can apply and integrate into your practice the very next day. So I Absolutely. think that's a really good um, can tip I, as Can well. I just say a third, which is an obvious yeah. one, but the movement assessment tool has been amazing for me. And of course, this is your podcast, Stephen, but <laughs> I really um, I really highly recommend, you know, recommend it to people. And it, as, as, as what we've been able to do is just get data and then utilize that to achieve good outcomes. So that's another way we embrace technology, embrace the different bits of you know even the, the software out there and i can't wait for the updates for you guys which will come out as well oh, that's cool and uh, we should have a new uh app in your hands next week as well Ive. so uh yeah. something you can you know hopefully you know, help you use that data again to get better outcomes and 
you know, with the app itself, we'll talk more about that on a, on a podcast episode shortly, but, you know, that'll allow you then to hopefully help more people reach their goals and get back to 100% uh, and increase their adherence to your treatment and to your training um, rehabilitation program. So that's something I'm really excited about and passionate about because I think, you know, as we talk about in the course, physiotherapists often take patients a certain way along that spectrum from that, you know, pain or, you know, dysfunction is the word. We don't yeah. often take them back to that level of performance that they need to do, just even for their needs, wants and goals for their daily life. Yeah, definitely. So this has been a great podcast. Really excited to hear about this mentorship. It's given me some ideas for our practice to start to, you know, potentially integrate. Right. What are some of, you know, the big take-home points you can uh, think to, you know, take away from, people can take away from this podcast to help bring themselves into the 21st century? Yeah, um, absolutely, Stephen. So I've said it along the way, but, you know, I don't mind saying it again. Uh, communication <laughs> is key, guys. Yeah. You know, please embrace that. Look at ways in which you can minimize your patient. I think that you'll achieve great outcomes. Um, I think as well, be holistic. Um, you know, I think in general, sometimes we focus too much uh, on the individual injury. But if you can look at ways and means of how injuries occur, taking a bit of that subjective history, looking at different factors. We only, as, as practitioners, see a patient for 30 to 45 minutes a session. What they do outside of that, I think, is, is so important. And it's a reason on a, on a different note is why I got into workplace ergonomics because I was just seeing people with horrible setups and it didn't matter what I did. Um, if they go back and sit for 12 hours a day in a horrible a sitting situation, uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't help. And, and finally, I think just be, be objective, you know, really be objective uh, and look at, you know, be more focused more on, on goal setting rather than pain. I think we'll, we'll achieve great outcomes. Great. And as I said, it fits my bias very nicely, Oz. So yeah. thank you very much for joining the 21st Century Physio Podcast. It's been great to have you on. Some really great tips about uh, how you can bring your practice into the 21st century and some strategies that you can use when you're running, you know, some internships. And hopefully it's something we might see more of coming out of the universities here in Australia too. Yeah, no, that's that's great, Stephen, and thank you for having me on. And, of course, if anyone wants to get in touch with me about the things I do, I'd be only too happy to talk to them. Fantastic. Well, maybe they can jump onto the 21st Century Physio um, group on Facebook and uh, ask their questions in there, and you can hopefully jump in there and answer some of those for them too. Great. All right, thank you, Stephen. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right, thanks, Ives. Ciao. That's another 21st Century Physio podcast, proudly brought to you by Matt, innovators and world leaders in movement assessment technologies that bring your practice into the 21st century. For more great information and tips to bring your practice into the 21st century, head over to www.podcast.physio. Lastly, if you love the podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. It's very much appreciated. See you on the next episode.